You are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, connects, and equips young conservatives to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved with Forge, please visit forgeleadership.org. Live Action. Just quickly, if you aren't aware who Live Action is, we were started by Lila Rose. So usually I say Lila Rose and people know who we are. She started this foundation when she was in college. So that says something for you students. And she saw on her college campus that there was a lot of things happening, but not many pregnancies. And so she put two and two together, went to her health center on campus and said, look, I go to USC, I may be pregnant. I'm going to college here, I may be pregnant, what would you do? And they said, we cannot help you with a pregnancy, but we can make sure you get an abortion. And so she was disturbed and she thought, well, this must be a, you know, an exception, a fluke. And she went to other campuses and eventually to Planned Parenthoods across the country and filmed her interactions. And she kind of did different situations where she was a young student or maybe one time she was a young girl with a 31-year-old boyfriend. She was pretending to be 14. And instead of reporting it, they pushed her to get an abortion. So she started live action as a way to educate on what's happening in the abortion industry and catalyze the defunding Planned Parenthood movement to defund the abortion industry. So it's been an honor to get to work alongside her and our team. And this for our society is the greatest human rights issue of our time. So I want to just take my time today and tell you a few things. Number one I've done programs like Forge, and I want to tell you what I got out of it and why I think it's good that you're here tonight and thinking about this. Then number two, I'm going to walk you through a little bit of this issue of abortion because you are uh, leaders and you are going to have to make a decision on this and speak out on this. So I want to prepare you. So I'll start here. Number one, it's awesome that you're looking into doing this. I can say that A majority of any success I've seen in the pro-life movement and anything I've been a part of is because of my relationships. I, uh, as a senior in college, decided to intern at Fox News, intern here at some public policy institutes, Conservative Women for America, some of you know, and just figure out what this world looked like. I got to see how news was made. I got to see how news was covered. And that was really good for me. There is no bad experience. If you um, are part of an internship or something and you hate it, that's good. You now know what you don't want to do. And I would say still those relationships you build will carry you. You need people in this, whatever you're looking to do. I don't have the pleasure of knowing all of you like the guys do here, but if you're looking into getting involved in public policy, if you're into business, if you're into changing culture, You need people around you that are going to help you in this. Ronald Reagan has a great quote. You can accomplish so much as long as you don't care who gets the credit. And it's true. The success I've seen comes from people working together. So for example, we've planned events for thousands of people to show up at a abortion facility or at their member's representative's office within two days. How do you do that? (laughs) You do that by having the right people to call and by having the integrity of your name. So if you're taking notes, I would write this down. Your name is everything, meaning your integrity is everything. 
So your ability and the work you're going into to execute on what you promise is huge. That's going to come from your time if you decide to do forage or wherever, whatever you decide to do, which I know I, I will support you. These guys will support you as you pursue these endeavors, because if you can deliver on what you promise, that will carry you into whatever career you're heading into. So prioritize that always. Moving from kind of practical advice, it's good that you're here to the issue of abortion. I have dedicated my life to this cause and so many have. And I wish I could sit down with each and every one of you and kind of ask, where are you at? Um, do you have any questions? What are the hard ones? And maybe you can share some with me tonight. But I will say, you have to make a decision on this and you need to be educated. As young leaders that are going to be forming culture, law, public policy, business decisions, even just conversations, you need to know everything about abortion because to be wrong on this is to be very, very wrong. And I like to quote Mother Teresa. She said, abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace. I'll say it again. Abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace. This was Mother Teresa, right? The woman who literally served the poor in Calcutta. She has seen the world's problems and poverty. And, and yet she says abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace, not corrupt governments, not lack of food, not climate change, nothing else. Abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace. So I say that to you because if you're on the wrong side of Mother Teresa, you're on the wrong side, right? So think of that. Right now, the magnitude of this problem is what will drive us to have an appropriate sense of urgency. So maybe you see abortion as just kind of like this part of these other issues that we're talking about. And I want tonight to just raise it to the level that it needs to be. Right now, 2,363 babies are lost to abortion every day in our country. 2,363. Remember that number. 2,363. 2,363 lives are lost every day in our country. And right now, you know, I'm talking to you guys during a global pandemic where we are counting, right? Every day, the news is telling us lives that are lost. And you've got a society that's saying, we care about each one of these lives. And that same sentiment should be applied to the preborn child. 2,363 lives every day. That's why when people say, well, Allison, don't you care about sex trafficking? Don't you care about these other things? Absolutely. I can't wait to end abortion and go work on something like, like ending uh, sex trafficking. But the magnitude of the problem is the reason why you need to be a part of this movement and be really good at it. Be a good messenger with a good message. So that's on magnitude. Secondly, the hard questions. You have to Go do the research on what messes with you at night on this issue. Maybe there's a question of rape or incest. Maybe it's a question of uh, population and how do we support this many people? Those are questions I've heard. Those are questions that have answers. It's up to us individually to get those answers and live action wants to help with that. So we've created a platform. It's called Pro-Life Replies to Pro-Choice Questions. So you can check that out tonight, Pro-Life Replies to Pro-Choice Questions, and you can watch like three-minute videos, a little shorter than a TED Talk, from experts across the country answering what we hear as the most common questions. I didn't say this yet, but Live Action is blessed enough to have uh, the largest following in the pro-life movement. So we have over 4 million followers. We have over a billion video views. 
um, we're on TikTok and Instagram and we're everywhere trying to change hearts and minds. And with that, every day I get to see, we get to see comments and questions. So we took them, aggregated them and got the best experts to answer them. So you're not alone for sure in whatever your question is. And that's there as a resource for you. Pro-life replies to pro-choice questions. You know, and at the end of the day, these are solvable problems. Death is undoable, right? So say you go, well, what are we going to do with all of these children? We hear that often. We need to be innovative. We are the grownups in the room. Human lives are not an appropriate payment for lack of creativity in public policy. I'll say it again. Human lives are not a payment, an appropriate payment for lack of creativity in public policy. So I want to challenge you guys to do it differently. And I've talked to some people who have been outside of the movement, are getting involved in politics, they're new on the Hill or they just started their first job and they go, hey, quick question, why don't we redirect funds away from abortion facilities into pro-life pregnancy centers in this way, with this avenue? Great idea. So many good ideas have come from people with fresh eyes. So if you feel like, man, I'm just not an expert on abortion, I'm kind of in over my head, I want you to know in some time, in some cases, That's a really good thing because you have fresh eyes and you can ask different questions than everyone else is asking. So see that as a positive, think outside the box and then propose that. I honor the old guard, you know, here in DC, as I sit in Alexandria, Virginia, there's an old guard, right? There's people who've been in this for decades and we need them and we stand on their shoulders and we work so hard together. But it's really fun sometimes seeing when someone like asks a different question, is innovative, brings their experience. We have so many interns and new young hires that take us to the next level, you know, take our social media to the next level, are great at videos, are great at messaging in a different way. So those are good things. For you, if you're like, okay, what do I need to know? My my three things. As a leader on abortion, you need to do two, three things continually over and over and over again. One, expose the industry. Two, educate on the procedure. And three, humanize the victims, both baby and mom. That's how we at Live Action make our decisions. Expose this industry. There's a multi-billion dollar industry looking to profit off of women in these vulnerable situations. That needs to be exposed. You can find out more about that online. Two, educate on the procedure. The procedure is something people don't know about. Guys, I can't tell you. I'll tell you a story. I stood in Times Square in New York walked up to a person and said, hey, listen, I'm doing a project on reproductive rights. Can I ask you a few questions? And they said, yes. So, okay, are you pro-life, pro-choice, or neither? And they're always like, I'm pro-choice. I'm hella pro-choice. Okay. Can I show you a three-minute video? uh, And you tell me what you think. And we show them this video that we've created at abortionprocedures.com, or you can go to anyonecanchange.com. It's a kind of a softer entryway, anyonecanchange.com. And you can see a medical animation of each of the three procedures. And it's completely medically accurate. Something you'd see like at the Mayo Clinic, right? More of a cartoon. Don't think gory or graphic. More of a medical animation. And I was afraid. I was afraid people were going to take their headphones off, throw them on the ground, call me names. Not once. Every single person watched the whole three-minute video. And I waited to get the response. And they, across the board, took the headphones off and said, I had no idea. I had 
this is what happened. This is abortion. Wait a second. Do our legislators know what this is? Every legislator should watch this before they talk about abortion. We should probably teach this in school so people know. I didn't know. So I share that with you because, you know, we think people can't change their minds. We think people have picked their position. They're well-educated. They're in their corners of the ring and then we're going to duke it out. Not necessarily. Thankfully, minds can still be changed and educating on the procedure has been one of the best ways we've seen minds change. So that website again is abortionprocedures.com or anyonecanchange.com. And three, humanize the victims, both baby and mom. There are two victims here. Always talk about both. We do that at Live Action by sharing stories, women who've chosen life, women who have uh, regretted their abortions and pursue healing. We're the side of healing. The other side can't offer that. And so we give grace, we give kindness, forgiveness, um, and we want to empower these voices instead of silence them and shut them down, which often happens on the other side. So one more thing, guys, you're not extreme for wanting to save all lives. So often I will hear uh, when I run down to a rally or in a media interview, isn't it kind of extreme what Alabama has done in wanting to uh, outlaw abortion? And I think, you know, you don't often get the chance to like give a whole dialogue on TV, but in this medium, I can explain to you that when you acknowledge that there's a human life there, I mean, in the same way that you would never look at an infant or a toddler and say, we can kill you. This is a human being, no matter where it is along in development, humans beget humans. They don't beget another species. That's a human being. When you acknowledge that, you will want to save them all. And it is extreme to not want to save them all. Does that make sense? We are willing to compromise often in the pro-life movement and have legislatively, you know, we'll meet you at 20 weeks. Can we get, can we save the babies up to 20 weeks? Uh, and that's a hard fight. How about heartbeat? You know, we're having these conversations, but the end goal is to save them all. It is the most logical, the most compassionate position to take. So I want to take that out of our verbiage. I don't want to ever hear you guys or me or my team say like, that, like it's, it's so extreme. It's not extreme. It's logical and compassionate. It's the right thing to do for history. So I'll end there and I would love to take any questions. Excited to be here. We've got Stephanie Gray here today, but along with her, we've also got the Forge Leadership Executive Director, Adam Josephic here. He's going to introduce Stephanie and kind of some of the stuff that she's done. So Adam, take, take it away. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here with Stephanie. Stephanie spoke to our students about ethics and life and life issues and really how to really how to get to the heart of the, of the matter, speak yeah. with clarity and wisdom and really winsomeness and, and kindness and really learn how to articulate themselves better on both issues related to the pre-born, mm. the unborn children, and then the start of life, but also at the end of life in dealing with the ever-present, increasingly present issues yeah. of euthanasia and, and that. So Stephanie's spoken across. We're thrilled to have her here in central Ohio today because she's a very sought-after speaker across the world, I've spoken in uh, several dozen countries, had one of the most watched and talked about Google Talks ever, yeah. and author, speaker, and just did an amazing job. So we're excited to be here with her. All right. So kind of one of the first questions I had, especially relating to some of us as Forge students, is relating to 
How did you get your start in public speaking? I know you started out when you were just 18, and now you've gone all across the world. Take us through that journey a little bit. Sure. Well, when I was 18, I attended a conference similar to this. It was for college students, but it was more focused specifically on the life issues. Mm -hmm. It was in eastern Canada. I was sponsored to go, and an American speaker was brought up to this event by the name of Scott Klusendorf, who I know is familiar uh, to you. And at that weekend, Scott gave several presentations on pro-life apologetics. And then he said, there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. And I heard those words, and I became very convicted that I not only needed to work full-time to save babies, but through the uh, approach that Scott was taking as a public speaker. So he mentored me, and, and long story short, here I am 20 years later. Wow. Wow. So take us through, what are some of the, just kind of a fun fact really quickly, what are some of the the more fun places you've been around the world that you've been able to speak at, some unique opportunities there? Well, you know, I have to say I'm biased, but my all-time favorite speaking request came in last year and took me to Scotland. Okay, right, that's where my dad is from, that's why I can put on this great Scottish accent. And so I was waiting for years for a request to come from my father's homeland, and it did, my fatherland. So so it was great because I got to speak uh, where my dad grew up, and I got to visit family, still has two sisters there and I have cousins and Hmm. so so that was just thrilling for me but really everywhere I go I am encouraged by the light in the darkness Hmm. that there are groups of people in their communities their states their countries other parts of the world who are truly bearing witness to life and making a positive impact Hmm. and that's always encouraged me wherever I go Hmm. I think in in America we can probably tend to because so much of the news cycle and language cycle and everything in business you know and media centers around a lot of American involvement. I think we kind of assume that, you know, the American experience is universally applied across the world in different things. One of those things I was wondering is, is that, so do we, would we assume that the American pro-life movement is similar to what other nations' pro-life movements look like? Or does it vary a lot based on the specific context? Hmm. Well, you know, they say everything's bigger in the United States. Yeah. You know, you go to a coffee shop and you get a small, and your small is bigger than our small. <laughs> so I would uh, say, likewise, the pro-life movement is bigger in the United yeah. States than anywhere else. Um, of course, there's your population, but beyond the pop- population, there's just the the Christian roots of, of your country and the fighting spirit of your country. Mm-hmm. You know, I often compare Canada to the U.S., of course, being a Canadian myself. There are some great pro-lifers in Canada, but there's a bigger movement in the States, and I often say it's because of our histories that you guys rebelled and you left the queen and we're part of the commonwealth still so it almost says something then about our cultures there's more of a fighting spirit i find down here whereas canadians are more let's just keep going with the flow let's roll Mm. with things Mm. having said that thankfully the more conservative right-wing pro-lifers in canada have embraced that fighting spirit Mm. but it's more prominent in the states than canada interesting Going on that theme of spirit and of sort of leading this conversation, obviously one of the issues you, you deal with most is the issue of pro-life. What, one, of the, one of the questions that our students had as we were going through that, that discussion is, especially at our age, most of our discussion is happening on college campuses. How do we maintain conversation and fully develop the argument in situations that can become heated? Mm. You know, obviously there's, there's a lot of tension surrounding this issue. It's, it's can be viewed as a complex complex issue around the United States. And that fighting spirit can often lead to interpersonal conflicts. So mm-hmm. how do we avoid that while still maintaining the argument? Yes. You know, we really, I believe, need to emphasize an approach of being Socratic. 
of asking more questions than making declarative statements. So that especially as tempers could flare or tensions increase, that if we ask more questions of the person we're dialoguing with than we're talking ourselves, then they're going to be letting off steam. We're showing our graciousness by being more of a listener than a talker. And that not only engages their mind by getting them to think because they have to answer the question, but it's non-verbally communicating, I'm interested in you and I'm interested Hmm. in how you think. And Hmm. that can lower the tensions that sometimes arise. Hmm. That's good. Um, Another question we had from from one of the students is, in this discussion, what especially about pro-life, but also including the other issues you speak about a lot, euthanasia, assisted suicide. What's kind of the central argument here that we should be focusing on? A lot of times we get focused on well, what's the punishment for this going to be? What's the extra issues? What do you think is the central argument and in, in how should we, should we understand that in the context of sometimes logical disagreements that people are making, saying, I wouldn't do it, but I don't want to prevent others from doing it, you know, sort of classic libertarian argument. What's what's kind of the response to that that we should really focus on, zone in on, right. as the central argument in these, these kind of discussions? Yeah, when it comes to the beginning of life with the abortion debate, I would say the central question we need to focus on is when does life begin? Mm-hmm. Are preborn children human beings mm-hmm. like you or me? And mm-hmm. if so, and if we believe in human rights, then they should get the same protections as us. And we really need to be able to make that case for, for the preborn child's human personhood. When it comes to end of life, I think we want to challenge people to consider the question, who gets suicide assistance and who gets suicide prevention? Hmm. The point of that question is to show that we all know that intuitively we would reject suicide for some individuals. You know, someone's about to jump off a bridge. But then there are some who want to support other people's suicides. But if they will oppose some and support others... What that shows is that it's not about personal autonomy, otherwise they'd support all suicide. It's about their judgment that that's a life worth saving, but that's not a life worth saving. So then we expand on that, show the consequences of that way of thinking. And then the other point, I think, is to show that despair is suffering without meaning, which is a statement of um, psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Dr. Viktor Frankl. And, And to really help people see that if we can help individuals find meaning in their suffering, they won't despair, they won't want suicide. If they don't find meaning, they they will like despair. So mm. our job is to help mm. people find meaning as we work towards suicide prevention rather than suicide assistance. Mm. So with the person contemplating suicide because of the despair, because of the lack of meaning, because of the pain feel, uh, and the loneliness and feeling mm-hmm. that there's nowhere to turn, the support and, the, the, and, and coming alongside in the same way, we've seen the huge difference that that's made in the, in the pro-life movement preborn of of the importance of supporting women who are in who find themselves in crisis pregnancies mm-hmm. right yes. that somebody doesn't just wake up in a vacuum a lot of times right and decide that they want to go pursue assisted suicide to end their life right. or yeah. that you know yeah. they'd yeah. like to not, to not to be crass but they'd like to go have an abortion today right, right? they find themselves overwhelmed by Exactly. The, in, the pain of life's darkest hours sometimes, right? Exactly. In either case, beginning or end, we're dealing with circumstances that are not desirable, hmm. where there's a lot of suffering and anguish that are a lot of filled with difficulty and challenges for people. So it's our job to alleviate the suffering without eliminating the sufferer. So we don't eliminate the disabled person. We don't eliminate the child. We don't de- eliminate the elderly person. We say, how do I alleviate your suffering? What hmm. does that look like? That hmm. can look like walking with a woman through an unplanned 
pregnancy and supporting her. It can look like sitting with an elderly person holding their hand, listening to music, playing a game of Scrabble with them. How do we engage in connection and relationship so people are then encouraged that life is worth living? Hmm. That's good. And kind of this idea of we want to help people create desirable circumstances in life and help alleviate the suffering a lot of our forged students have a lot of passions, a lot of interests. They, they want to go out. They want to make a difference in the world. One of the questions that I had here to kind of close us up, how would you recommend, what advice do you have for them going forward, coming away from this summit? What do you want them to learn? How would you recommend that they guide their decisions as as they go forward pursuing those passions of, of helping others? Sure. I think certainly as a person of faith, it's so important as a Christian to really be centered on prayer and seek mm. what God's will is for each of us, recognizing that he has made each of us unique and he has a specific plan for us and a specific skill set that he's given each of us. So I would encourage each of the, the Forge students to reflect what are my specific skills and passions. You know, maybe someone's interested in the medical field and so mm. they they can become a palliative care doctor or they could be a nurse or they're interested in politics and they can work to make sure that there's pro-life legislation. Maybe someone is interested in food and they can work in the culinary arts mm. in palliative care in hospitals mm-hmm. because who likes hospital food? I mean, it's worse than <laughs> yeah. airplane food, right? So it's like, why don't we use our skills and talents to improve in these areas yeah. mm. so that, you know, or if someone is interested in um, graphic design and, and, you know, design in general in, in rooms and stuff, they could work in care homes, they could work in hospitals to make these places more aesthetically pleasing so the patient experience is more positive. So take one's guilt skill set, match it with the passion, and then move forward. That's good. Excellent. Thank you, Stephanie. You're yeah. welcome. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you like the show, please drop a review and be sure to subscribe for all our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, please visit forgeleadership.org.